Oh, bury me not on the lone prairie where the coyotes wail and the wind blows free. And when I die, don't bury me neath the western sky on the lone prairie. Oh, bury me not on the lone prairie. These words came soft and painfully from the pallid lips of a youth who lay on his dying bed at the break of day. But we buried him there on the lone prairie where the rattlesnakes hiss and the wind blows free. In a shallow grave, no one to grieve. Neath the western sky, on the lone prairie. Oh, bury me not on the lone prairie. These words came soft and painfully from the pallid lips of a youth who lay on his dying bed at the break of day on his dying bed at the break of day Hello and welcome to Volume 1, Issue 18 of the Kane and Rinse podcast. Perhaps surprisingly, Red Dead Redemption can be traced back to Japanese coin-op veteran Capcom's 1985 vertical run-and-gun arcade machine, Senjo no Okami, or Wolf of the Battlefield, better known in the West as Commando. Capcom followed up Commando with a forced scrolling Wild West variant called Gunsmoke, and it was a shelved reboot of that title which Rockstar picked up in 2002 that became 2004's Red Dead Revolver. Still with me? Good. Work on a sequel started the following year, before half a decade later, following tales of development, difficulty and disharmony, Rockstar San Diego's Redemption was released to widespread critical acclaim. Joining me, Leon Cox, on this issue, Tony Atkins. Hello. Who's a late stand-in, so I've forgotten to add him to the show notes. Yes. Uh, Remiss of me. Uh, James Carter, also a relatively late stand-in. Hello. And Josh Garrity, who was always going to be on this one. Hello. Yes. So, Tony, uh, we've established that you're the only person who finished Red Dead Revolver, Rockstar San Diego's first uh, entry into the world of the Wild West. I'm sure a few people more would have probably played this game if they knew Red Dead Redemption was going to be coming out 
that many years later, 10 years later. So uh, Memories? Memories. It's a very different game uh, from what I remember. I played it was PS2, wasn't it? So um, uh, similarities um, are actually few and far between. Um, the thing I, I do remember that is definitely different from Red Dead Redemption is the fact that it's actually quite a linear experience. Um, there's lots of moving, moving up rock faces and corridors uh, and canyons and basically gunning down the enemy. Uh, I think I believe Deadeye was still in there, mm-hmm. uh, was there. And, but it, it, it was very much a story-focused driven um, shooter, but um, in, a, in a more kind of linear PlayStation 2 style. Beyond that, it doesn't, because um, the characters don't carry over, do they, from, from that game, I'm aware? Nope, nope. So it, nope. Share, it really has, other than being obviously in the Wild West, uh, they didn't really take much more than just the, the Red Dead name. No, the main character has some scars on his face mm-hmm. and wears a cowboy hat. Uh, but as I said in the intro, this was uh, originally designed to be a kind of spiritual successor or reboot of a very, very old Japanese shooting game, Coin-Op. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's it's quite odd. Uh, Josh, you played it a little. Any memories to share? Um, yeah, um, I kind of agree with Tony. I mean, there is stuff like the Dead Eye stuff, which is clearly um, very similar to Red Dead Redemption. But apart from that, it is a very, very different game. It has more in common with the Call of Juarez games in terms mm. of like mm. structure, apart from being third person. Um, I don't like. I don't remember any of the characters. None of them. I don't think were as well written as um, like John Marston. They're all just like Western stereotypes. And I'm not saying that Red Dead Redemption doesn't have its share of stereotypes, but it felt a little bit more on the nose with um, Red Dead Revolver. But mm. it's an all right game. It came up against Gun, wasn't it? At the same time, roughly the same yeah. release, which was Gun... a, a very different game. Actually, it had it was a lot more open world feel to it. Um, yeah, that was by Neversoft. Um, mm. They were allowed to, between Tony Hawk's and Guitar Hero games, they were allowed to actually make, a, a, you know, a relatively interesting, different game. And they actually made quite a playable, enjoyable title in Gun. It, again, that also had a strong soundtrack and some decent voice performances and stuff. And in fact, it feels far more like a sort of early progenitor to uh, Red Dead Redemption than I gather Red Dead Revolver does. Yeah, without a doubt. Yeah. So, um, and that, that is playable on, uh, um, you can get a current gen version of that, but don't, don't expect Red Dead Redemption quality visuals. Now, this is the first show where we're going to attempt to incorporate some uh, listener interaction. So thanks to everyone who's contributed either via Twitter, email, or the forum. Um, and in fact, to sh- before we share our own experiences, I think we're going to do it in that rather sort of, um, freeform way rather than go through the sort of sections of the game i think we'll start off with robotic monkey who says i enjoyed nothing more than taking a nice ride on a horse to my next destination often pounding at the controller to make the horse run quicker but sometimes just walking along slowly and taking in the scenery this almost always led to spying something off into the distance and thinking what's over there and that was his uh, three-word review in fact what's over there (laughs) I remember playing it at the same time as several work colleagues and swapping stories of crazy random events. For example, finding a small house out in the middle of nowhere and hearing a scream from inside. Walked into the house and there was a per- uh, there was a person lying on a bed having been shot. A man was sitting on a bed saying nothing. I walked out of the house and heard a gunshot, so I ran back in there. And now there were two people dead on the bed. Or the time I died because I was chasing some bandits along a cliff edge and a snake bit my horse, instantly killing it and propelling me like a rag doll into a ravine. 
Um, for me, I think, and and we'll see this with a lot of uh, reminiscences. Um, my sort of key thing for being suckered into a game world and having fond memories and experiences of a game is so much to do with the the ambience, the environs, the the skybox, the textures on the land, and as much as this game, um, you know, does have for a video game um, an unusually high level of uh, writing and acting, it is that stunning depiction of America, the American wilds, which is, I think, what kept me in there for so long. Um, the lighting, particularly, is just so natural looking to me. Um, Playing it again this week, I returned to finish off uh, the Undead Nightmare DLC, which we'll talk about a little separately later on, hopefully. Um, I was just reminded of the astonishing atmosphere. Obviously, it's elevated by the the incredible soundtrack work by uh, Bill Elm and Woody Jackson. Um, and, of course, there are the four uh, actual vocal songs in there, which a lot of people reminisce about, particularly mm-hmm. the Jose Gonzalez Far Away, which I was one of those people who had that moment ruined for me by not the, the song never completed because some uh, random event happened or whatever. But um, going back to it, obviously the atmosphere in Undead Nightmare is quite different, but I, I did also return to my uh, my main Red Dead Redemption save and... Um, by the way, I didn't do a spoiler warning in this show, did I? <laughs> I think we should be expecting be a, it by now, surely. They should, mm. but maybe, you know, if this is somebody's first episode of Cane Rinse, here's, here's the thing, here's our USP. Uh, one, we finish the games we're talking about, and two, we spoil them. <laughs> so uh, we are definitely going to spoil uh, Red Dead Redemption. In, in fact, I'm going to spoil the end right now, so if you've not completed it, you might want to go and do that. Uh, going back to my save, obviously I'm Jack Marston, John Marston's son, uh, and you know, people have a lot of mixed feelings about that. But I think uh, people talk about his sort of brashness being grating after Marston's sort of quiet dignity, well, that quiet dignity of a mass murderer. Uh, having spent a bit more time with Jack, I actually warmed him a little more, and I quite like the idea that although the game is called Redemption and at the, at the end, um, well, it's almost an epilogue really where you, you switch from um, John to Jack or there are things you can do and that are an epilogue with, with Jack. Um, I sort of like the fact that the fact that he's so fucked up in the head um, and he actually sort of vocally nods to it, doesn't he? He says, no wonder I'm such a mess and you know, all this stuff where he's, you know, looting corpses and stuff like that i like the idea that his son alter uh, his his father ultimately failed to do what he was trying to do mm-hmm. which was you know save his save his family from that life i suppose it's got echoes of you know the the gangster uh the the sort of classic classic mafia tale yeah very much i think john marston got his own redemption but unfortunately his family weren't so lucky in that mm. respect yeah Anyone else got anything, memories to share of Red Dead? What your sort of overriding memories, feelings that you took away? I, I, I have a... Because um, when I first played Red Dead Redemption, I think my opinion kind of lined up with what I think Tony's opinion is going to be. I thought that <laughs> it was a... It had great parts to it, but I didn't know if I loved it as a whole. 
Um, but mm -hmm. then um, about like a few months later, I actually decided to play it again. And knowing what I knew was going to happen later on, it cast the events earlier on in the game in a completely different light. And I felt myself being much more drawn into the drama because of that. Um, because you knew what was going to happen and the inevitability of it. It felt like it gave some of what Marston said some weight that I didn't feel previously. And when I finished my second playthrough, I fell in love with the game. Um, I And that was such a weird experience because usually when you go back and play a game, sometimes you actually have a... Um, you're less impressed by it. Sometimes you feel like, oh, okay, mm -hmm. maybe that wasn't as great as I thought. Or maybe you just have the exact same opinion of it. it it's mm. very rarely that like a second playthrough actually makes you realize the things about that game that you didn't realize the first time. And um, I, 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 it also made me realize how well crafted the story actually is. I mean, Mexico feels like the weak link in the chain. Um, Mexico comes up time and time again. Yeah. We'll hear a lot about Mexico. But um, the, the first and third act, I feel, are incredibly well-crafted um, for the character of John Marston and making you, the player, really sympathise with him. I mean, I think John Marston's one of the best characters in gaming because unlike a character like Nathan Drake, Nathan Drake is a charming ladies' man in cutscenes, but a serial killer in the game. Whereas John Marston actually feels, although he is a gentleman and, and polite, there is the sense that he is a broken man underneath that exterior. You feel like he is... Uh, disturbed in some way so when he does act out violently it doesn't feel like this hugely mm. out of character thing for him to do un unlike someone like nathan drake but that's also the environment that's that's the setup the, it, there there is an element of it's okay you can imagine somebody in the wild west at, at that period um that people were killed on a, on a random whim you know if you looked the wrong way or looked at someone funny it was okay to shoot someone not necessarily okay but it was uh, a regular scene from what we know from uh, you know the fairy tales maybe the movies glamorize it a bit too much so it just feels more within context of that world uh the problem is which we've seen time and time again with a lot of rockstar games is um certainly in, in the gta franchise that there is no context. you can't have context to somebody just killing the entirety of new york city uh, and then really say that you know well you and then really fall in love with their character so that's why they kind of make them the the anti-hero so i just think the context is slightly better Red Dead Redemption for that to to uh, wash over me slightly easier, but I, honestly, I don't think we're our opinions of the game. I think is probably closer than you think. Um, the 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 thing I love about Red Dead Redemption is the story, is um, the narrative of of Jack Marston, um, and the way that plays out over the three acts. Uh, I'm not even that. I don't even hate Mexico that much. I I, I think we're, we'll get into Mexico. There's plenty of stuff to say about it. But I love the narrative. What I don't love about um, Red Dead Redemption is everything that feels GTA to me, uh, that surrounds it, such as the side missions. Um, there, there's a number of is issues I have for the animation. Uh, just uh, yeah, an easier way at this point to describe it, 
before we get into in depth is just the GTA ness of the of this franchise, which or this this particular title, which I think it could have done a better job of escaping. Um, but the narrative itself, I, I think, is you know more games should have followed it, and um, in many respects, hopefully, uh, the rest of um, Rockstar's output follows it. Uh, so what are these GTA uh, tropes which you think detract from the game I, and, and why are they a problem? Right, so Rockstar are, are masters, I, that I think, of opening. Um, if you look back across all their franchises, the, the opening you know, hour of, of their games are always amazing. They're set up. So if you, if you look at GTA 4 in particular, the, the opening of that and actually landing, you know, coming on the city in the boat and then just exploring the city is amazing. Um, and Red Dead Redemption does a superb job at that, coming on the train and, and set up who John Marston is. Um, but just like every other, <laughs> I haven't played Bully, so, <laughs> you know, but um, just like every other open world experience, it's as soon as you come off the, the story driven beaten path and you enter the, into the side mission areas, I just find them in, intensely boring. And, and in fact, I found them more boring in Red Dead Redemption than I ever had done in previous. So, there seemed to be no real, certainly in Red Dead Redemption, there seemed to be no real reason to go flower picking. Um, it seemed completely contradictory to his character. It's a qu- kind of nice and quaint moment, but it's, I just found myself getting very tedious, uh, found the whole experience very tedious. Um, a lot of the side quests that I picked up along the way, I didn't particularly like the characters that I was meeting. Um, and I found this, the main story more of the drive. Um, and in particular, I, I remember at the time, I, I wasn't being drawn into this game in the way that everybody else was saying it was this masterpiece. And I, I had to take a step back and actually work out what was, what was I doing wrong because clearly this is a superb game and why am I not enjoying it? And what I was doing was actually chasing the achievements. Uh, it's one of the, the fine examples of where, you know, trying to get achievements can actually ruin a game. Um, and I was too busy doing all this side quest stuff and actually avoiding the main story. So the moment I actually got onto the main path and followed the narrative and actually fell in love with the characters and wasn't just picking flowers and shooting bears and stuff, um, I found the game you know, ten times more enjoyable. Uh, unfortunately, what happened then, I completed the game, had fallen in love with all the characters, and when I went back to do all this other stuff, I was playing uh, as Jack Marston. Didn't like Jack himself. Uh, then it felt slightly wrong within the story to be doing a lot of these side missions which I believe had the same voice not the same voice but had the same um, context in dialogue um, and it I just found it overwhelmingly dull at that point um, and the thing that everyone seemed to love at that period with Red Dead Redemption was oh I just love exploring the world yeah and now now having played Skyrim I think I understand more where those people were coming from because some people find Skyrim incredibly dull just exploring yeah. the world, where it completely suckers me in. Um, I'm I'm the same with um, both games, and that that I was actually going to invoke mm. Skyrim. J- just you just beat me to it. It's not so far away. Obviously, the environs are different, but the feeling is not that different. Carry on. No, no. I mean, I, that that's pretty much the sum up uh, of of the parts that I you know I, I wasn't a bigger fan of. So, Josh. Um, no, I was going to just mention the world itself. I think. Personally, it's my favourite open-world environment of any game. I know Skyrim's recently come out and um, really impressed us with that, and I think Skyrim has a great environment. But for me, Skyrim always feels like I'm in a game. 
I, I don't know a better way of explaining it. The world feels gamey, even though it's impressive. Whereas Red Dead Redemption, I can just stand on a hill and just hear all these crickets chirping and hear a dra- jackal off in the distance and maybe some deer and then look at the sun set and you see the intensity of the light going over the hills and you think, okay, this feels like a real place. It doesn't just feel like a game world populated with NPCs. It feels like a real world. The, 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 the interesting thing about that is I had all those experiences going from A to B within the story sections because you have to do a lot of riding. And I love those, you know, those moments where you'd have to ride across, across a valley and the sun was setting. But every time I, I came away from the narrative-driven part of it, it just it, it felt just, just like a big open world. Um, there wasn't actually that much to do, although there was tons of stuff to do, but none of it was actually that interesting. But what I will say is, interestingly, that's what my opinion was at the time. Since then, we've had L.A. Noir, and that showed us that if you fill an open world up essentially with nothing, <laughs> then it's actually not really an enjoyable place to be. Um, even more so not an enjoyable place to be, because you can just drive around it and go, well, that was fun. And that was that. So I don't, you know, what I'm saying, I think, is more of a personal um, expectation from these games rather than I'd rather than take all that stuff out because I think some people obviously got something from that. For me, it was all about the narrative and not about the exploration. I think Red Dead is actually a very sophisticated role-playing game in the same way that Zelda is in that it doesn't use numbers. It uses actual... It's perhaps slightly more obvious um, than, say, Zelda in terms of your you are sort of step-by-step step upgrading your abilities. But all the, um, all the challenges, the ambient challenges, they do actually contribute to your character's strength. You get better equipment. You get you know, more stuff you can do, more stuff you can hold, carry, better potions, as it were, mm-hmm. to make yourself better. So there is a reason for doing everything. Um, Jake Del Toro, Squeezy Cheesy Peas of Last Save Loaded, um, he admittedly uh, says that this is his favorite video game of all time. Um, but he says, one thing that stands above, uh, stands this head and shoulders above other Rockstar games are the ambient challenges. Challenges in GTA games, for example, are things that, for me, spoil the immersion of the game. Insane jumps or killing frenzies, for example, are things that remind you that you're playing a game. Whereas the challenges in Red Dead Redemption are things that seem completely in keeping with the more serious world depicted in the game. Strangely, my biggest criticism of GTA 4 was that it was too serious and at times the world seemed at odds with itself and inconsistent. Mm-hmm. The balance was just right in Red Dead. Despite being quite barren in places, it all feels completely alive and dynamic. I think in the GTA games, the world is obviously supposed to be a satirical depiction of a real place. New Austin, Nueva Paradiso and West Elizabeth actually feel like real places. And for me, that sets the game apart from not just GTA, but for a lot of other games as well. So, yeah, I mean, you, I don't think you can compare like skinning bears to sh- to shooting the pigeons in gta because <laughs> you there's a, there's a there's a financial system which is useful in that you can buy better horses you can buy ammo and um medicine and all this other stuff plus every time you you do these sort of mark off this set of achievements which are very sort of oblivion light they are very rpg-esque um you will you will get upgrades to your ability to carry ammo and, and so on and so forth. So I, I think all that's, I never felt remotely bored by the environment or the side quests. From, from my point of view, what I would say is I agree. I didn't find any of them boring, but if we're talking about the world and to go back to both what both um, uh, Squeezy Cheese Peas and Robotic Monkey said, um, 
I never once felt that what I feel in Skyrim, which is you can stand at the top of a hill and look out and think there's a building there, I want to go to it. And the reason that never happened in Red Dead Redemption for me was I didn't hear a jackal in the distance and think that was awesome. I got knocked off my horse by a bear (laughs) or attacked by a wolf. I didn't stop to walk anywhere because I wanted to get where I was going and not be attacked by something that was going to nearly kill me before I'd even had a chance to react. Well, that does also happen in Skyrim, to be fair. It it does, but and I don't know what the difference is. In Skyrim, I am far less intent on following a narrative and more happy to create my own narrative, Mm -hmm. which will include being attacked because I am exploring. Whereas in Red Dead Redemption, and and this comes sort of to the the crux of of an issue I have with with this game and, and other Rockstar games, they want mm. a cinematic narrative, which requires good pacing, but they also want to give you an open world with lots and lots of distractions and things to do. Mm. They don't fit. They don't, uh, this for is, me at least. This is, this is a massive uh, video game problem yeah. going forward, uh, you know, as is the, th- the thing that we've already brushed across, which is the disconnect between the, the actions of the player and the, the ludological part of the game, which is... You know, effectively, your skills are as a gamer are pointing and shooting. You know, clicking, moving a stick, and pointing to people's heads and getting headshots and stuff like that. The, these these parts are essential to make this a video game, not just a story. And this is where we are at with video game in video game history, isn't it? Yeah. It is trying to find that balance so that it doesn't feel like a huge disconnection. And whether that'll ever be truly possible in an interactive medium. I guess we don't know, but what would, you know, you see, for me, I think this this does make big strides forward in exactly that regard, because although, yeah, you can muck up the pacing, and it, it's like, I remember even going back to, uh, you know, Final Fantasy VII or whatever, the, the, there's there's plot points trying to drive you on to go places, but you're not allowed to, you're not allowed to because you're too weak you have to grind in an area so while the plot may be saying you know follow sephiroth follow sephiroth you've got to get to sephiroth quickly before he you know kills everyone in the world or you know or comets hanging in the sky and about to create oblivion mm. you need to grind you need to level up and i guess this is no different yeah well, i can tell you it is different because i i once i abandoned all that stuff i could just play through the storyline mm-hmm. and i didn't need to do any of that stuff Very to true. just play through it and very good but and i i don't want to um sell this game short because there will be a number of people shouting at their uh, their playback device at this 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 point because red dead redemption is truly an an astounding game an astonishing game i'd even place it as probably rockstar's best game um but i just whenever I, i hear those comments that the world involves you and so much it none of that stuff happened to me it it felt like the story was so good that everything else around it just couldn't live up to it. Um, so in some respects, maybe I treated it at, at more of a, an Uncharted game. Um, but I didn't, you know, Uncharted has has a, a fairly decent narrative and, and you're pushed along at a pace uh, and it doesn't have anything really where you can go off and explore in. And that's exactly how I treated Red Dead Redemption. Yet I do understand that there is people that, that definitely stood on those hills and sat there for just the entirety of a, you know, maybe 40 minutes and watched the sun come up and the sun go down. And I never really understood that before, but after Skyrim, I, I understand it maybe a bit more or, wow. or even um, with... There's something I've loved in games, you know, going back way even to when graphics were technically far, far less sophisticated. I've always enjoyed that, 
that incredible sensation of being immersed in a in a virtual well, world. Mine was so, World uh, World of Warcraft before that. But, yeah, right. Okay. Yeah. So, James, what was to stop you uh, doing what Tony did and ignoring? everything and pacing the story is there not a responsibility with the player like the the game makers have given you the option mm-hmm. to have to you know they've given you more content effectively but you do have the option to simply run through the story and, and explore nearly all the side content later but that's the thing um it, it wasn't the way i was playing a game that affected the pacing it was the things that happened in the game i was trying to play that affected the pacing it, it was okay. random encounters it was uh, the way Rockstar structured this game that affected the pacing. It wasn't that I chose to do side quests because I didn't, really. The the ambient mm. quests seemed great to me. They seemed like a really interesting way of, when I started the game, of of building your place in that world, I thought, and giving you something interesting to do, and I agree. Uh, shooting pigeons or doing stunt jumps in GTA is completely different. That's for people who want to play it as an open world game. Whereas mm-hmm. this seemed to be suggesting that you could do these ambient challenges and it would be part of the narrative. I fairly quickly uh, decided that wasn't f- for me. It, it took quite a long time to notice it, you know, progress in those side missions. So I, I sort of abandoned those fairly quickly and yet still felt that the pacing, it, because if you think about, you know, when we're talking about Western stories or any uh, character-driven story, pacing in film, in TV, in books is so crucial to making sure that the story flows well. You are always, always interested and engaged with what's happening. Um, and, and pacing is where the game really... And, and and to be fair, this isn't just this game. It's a lot of Rockstar games I have this problem with. I feel like they are pandering to the GTA 3 fans who wanted to play it as an open world game, sandbox, where they just do what they want. And they also want to have their cinematic experience. And they haven't yet found a way of marrying that. And it's not isolated to, to Rockstar this. It is, as you say, Leon, it's affecting games across the board it's affecting all of the games that we love and enjoy playing and rockstar to their credit are really trying to create this encompassing experience that gives every player what they want from the game and so to to tarnish them with this brush as it sounds like i'm doing is really harsh because they they've they're taking on this challenge that a lot of of games aren't you know you think about uh something like a gears of war they told a story, but they funneled you down a narrow path the whole way through. Pacing was, for the most part, up to them. And so to to try yeah. and attack the open world problem and uh, a cinematic, well-paced narrative together is really tough. And Red Dead Redemption, aside from Bully, is the best Rockstar have done with it. L.A. Noir is the worst Rockstar have done with it. And it's looking at L.A. Noir that exposes bear some of the problems that I still have with something like Red Dead Redemption, despite the fact that I do believe it's a really cracking game in many ways. And just listening to to Josh talk about it and, and what Robotic Monkey was saying, I, I hadn't actually really appreciated um, the the way Josh played through the game, which was to go back a second time and and see all the stuff that was there that that he couldn't see the first time. And I think you're spot on, Leon, to make the reference to gangster films because something like uh, 
Godfather, it's it's the foreboding atmosphere. You know what's going to happen to these characters. You don't know the ins and outs, but you know where this world is headed for them. And it wasn't that obvious in Red Dead Redemption, I don't think, that that the ending was going to be the way it was. It It felt like a twist that was a surprise at the end a little bit. It didn't feel like the sort of twist that you felt was inevitable um, when John Marshall steps out of that barn at the end. I think playing mm. through it a second time, knowing that was the twist, and I, I don't know how to write that into the narrative so that you get a better sense of that. Um, but something like uh, Apocalypse Now, you, you get a sense all the way through that. You know what's going to happen to, to this character as he ventures through this inner turmoil made real around him, if you like, in the jungle in Apocalypse Now, or uh, Michael Corleone, he ventures through this hostile world, becoming more and more the person he hated at the beginning of the first film. Um, and I, I suppose something like The Proposition is a good Western comparison to make in that you put a character in an awful situation like John Marston is in, in order to feel the gravitas of the decisions they're making, you have to feel the the weight that's on their shoulders. Mm. And I, I'm not sure I got it, but, but from the sounds of it, Josh, from what you're saying, you got it second time round because you knew what was going to happen and that was always playing mm. in your mind when you played through the game, which is really interesting to hear, really interesting. Well, when you play it a second time, you realize that a lot of the dialogue is hinting at the events mm. that are going to happen. It's almost like John Marston knows he's going to die, mm-hmm. which is yeah. really weird. And it, and it was a really weird sensation playing it a second time because it was like you've kind of accepted death already. You're, mm-hmm. You assume that at any point you're going to die, don't you? Mm. And like that doesn't bother you. And it and it made that character so much more interesting to me the second time round because the first time round I thought he was kind of just like a a really well written kind of traditional badass cowboy, but second time round it was kind of like this character who felt really guilty about the stuff he did in his past mm. and knew that he was going to have to pay a price for it. And he was willing to do what he could to protect the people he loved. But it's almost like he knew that ultimately he was going to get punished regardless of what he Mm -hmm. did. Um, Which, (laughs) I don't know, it kind of moved me. It it just got to me in a way that very few games do. The point that I realised that John almost certainly was going to die at the end was the extraordinary moment when I stumbled upon a side quest or you know an optional mission in which you meet uh, the grim reaper effectively um he's called strange man um but he talks to you about your impending death and you can bump into him several times across the game world and uh, it's one of my favorite things in any game ever it's it's you know it's it could be seen as a little obvious mm. um or but it is totally missable but there is a whole there are a, there are a string of meetings with your maker basically um whether he's yeah the grim reaper or the devil or or whatever but he he actually talks to you about your your impending doom and it's a it's a very it's also it's that little thread of the supernatural which allowed them to do undead nightmare and not have it as and he woke up and it was all a dream Mm. because 
in this seemingly very naturalistic, uh, serious historic world, there is there is a large thread of the supernatural. Did anyone else actually, you know, go, come across that that that, that storyline, that strand? Uh, yeah, I did. Um, I came across it a bit early in the game, and I didn't actually guess, which I feel stupid about now looking <laughs> back. It seems really obvious, but I didn't guess. Well, that... it gets more obvious when the, the more you meet him, the more sort of blatant he makes yeah. it. Yeah, I don't think I actually finished that. Uh, that's probably why I didn't um, guess it. But I met him a couple of times, and. He did seem like I guessed he was some kind of supernatural presence because he was talking about like, yes, this spot, this spot will be perfect and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. um, I thought it was interesting because that's not actually uncommon in uh, Western cinema. They always um, introduce that kind of spirituality into yeah. certain films. And so I thought that was an interesting little touch. Yeah, I loved that. And, and there were, you know, there were a lot of... Um although as james says it you know it can sort of damage the pacing of the main story there's a lot of interesting encounters to be had along the way you know whether it be the sort of tragicomic man who's trying to fly his airplane off a cliff or <laughs> or something as yeah sinister and serious as as meeting the grim reaper um a lot of that stuff is like i i i'm one of those people and in fact it was after playing red dead redemption that I went back and completed GTA 4 and uh, Lost and Damned and Ballad of Gay Tony because I think Red Dead was pretty much the first Rockstar open world game other than Bully that I finished. And it actually helped me sort of understand the structure and sort of make my peace with that slight disconnect Mm. between pacing and content. And in fact, when I was playing Red Dead, what I would do is, and and I I did this with Undead Nightmare, although it doesn't work so well because there's less of it, is to do everything but the next main strand that I could do before moving on because I didn't want to miss anything because there's all these really well-written, really well-voice-acted encounters that I was concerned that if I barreled through to the end of, the, of John Marston's story, like, I don't know. I know, obviously, you, you come back into the world as Jack and there's, uh, you can avenge your father's death, although mm-hmm. it, it felt very, that, that, that's an interesting point in that it felt, pretty bleak and miserable to do that to me it didn't you know uh, maybe that's because i don't believe in an, an eye for an eye necessarily mm. um but i don't know if if you'd avoided every side mission and ambient quest up to that point can you still do it all as jack is is he scripted for every single encounter that you could have avoided as john well from what i could work out i think most of the dialogue would be the same as what you would be playing as john um, and then they change little bits here and there for it to be slightly more contextual as Jack. Mm. But um, yeah, otherwise it'd be a complete nightmare. But you can go back and, and do all that stuff as as yeah. Jack. So but it just it feels it feels weird because obviously Jack is a, is a very different character to his father. Um, so even well, even, he isn't, he isn't. well, but right into the scenes and he's beating his horse and shouting at his horse and like just just him being that kind of mean spirited towards animals just is one of those it's, weird. It's moments. really interesting. So many people have a problem because he says "work your damn nag." Um, has no respect I, for <laughs> for his own belongings in that respect. Yeah, but I think I like in my head that's not. It's more of an expression of something that's going on 
inside him something a bit deeper. It's not that he actually dislikes horses or has no respect. It's more that he feels he has to play this part of this brash, you know, to sort of follow in the legend. He he, he sort of misunderstood why his father was feared, respected, mm-hmm. and has gone down in memory. Um, and, you know, it's a lot to live up to. Before we move on, I just want to come back to actually um, Joshua's point um, about knowing that um, John Marston's impending doom. Having quickly realised I wasn't going to be doing the side quest stuff and actually focusing on the story, I I picked up on that pretty early. Um, it was still, I think, it was still a shock when when it happened at the end because you know I still feel like everybody else does that if you play that scene enough times, you'll be able to shoot everybody. And you could probably change the ending, which you know, is impossible. And I'm sure people have tried and over and over again. I'm sure it's all over YouTube. People um, trying it. Yeah. But because I was, and it sounds wrong, but I, I was trying to gun it through the story more so because it was, you know, it was, I, I felt like I had, I had um, impotent, impotent, impetus behind me. Imp- impetus. Impetus yeah, yeah. behind me to, to get um, to the next um, story arc because I was actually genuinely interested in, in him and his family and there's some some real highlights for me is it's is it daisy isn't it is the, the woman on the ranch uh, uh bonnie bonnie, bonnie yeah um bonnie on the ranch who clearly i think everybody wants them to get together there, there's clearly a piece of chemistry chemistry there between them and you have that moment when he goes back to his family and and you see you know ultimately his wife is just this woman, she is nothing special. In fact, she seems worse than um, than Bonnie is, without doubt. And then there's that brilliant scene where they meet each other on the stage, well, stagecoach on the, in the yeah, I suppose it is a stagecoach. Um, that is a great scene. But I actually really like both. I, I think they're 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 each other's match. I think like I wouldn't say that the wife is nothing special. I think she's you know she's funny, she's sarcastic, she's witty. Um, and although Bonnie's perhaps you know more of a babe, as it were, I I think his wife's uh, an, an attractive character, definitely. And as we find out, uh, his his wife used to run with his criminal gang, didn't she? So she's had that aspect of her life where she had to be sarcastic and close herself off a bit and, and protect herself from the people she was around, whereas perhaps Bonnie had to make it as a more respectable person in the world. But uh, the, the reason it got to me is because I, by that point in the game, I think you know that there's something impending um for john marston um and you don't think it's going to be particularly good and i felt like bonnie was the escape point that if he just said no you know although i've done all this stuff my family could be safe if i just let them you know wander off on their own and i'm gonna create this new life with bonnie um i felt like that that was his moment to escape um and start a new life i don't think it would be anywhere near as powerful as it turns out um, it would have been a very, very different story. It would have been, I mean, yes. that would have been then. Then you're talking about a, a a man who's unfaithful, a man who's committed another sin, um, in you know, in the eyes of probably what a lot of the uh, the people around in this world would have believed. Mm-hmm. Um, that wouldn't have been something that it was easy to do then, necessarily. I don't know. I don't morally or in ter- in in terms of public perception. I don't think it would have ever crossed John's mind, to be honest, to ever portray his wife. He just doesn't seem like the kind of person who would break that rule. But there is sexual he... tension between them, without oh, doubt. Oh, yeah, definitely. Oh, yeah. But, like, he's going into places like the brothel and stuff like that, and whores are coming up to him going, oh, do you want to... 
mm. have a party. And that's he's difference like, no. between getting to know a woman who's ultimately saved and has grown to respect, and I think at, at that point actually love. But he chooses obviously to con- you know his, to continue his relationship with his wife and child. Um, but it's just I know when I was playing, I was like, no, there was your chance to kind of forge a new life, new existence with a woman that clearly wants to do it, where have that experience with you. Um, like I said, it would have been an entirely different game and, and probably wouldn't have been as good. But uh, the fact that it has those powerful moments for me, it, it, it says, you know, it's, it's really quite, it rates rather high because it doesn't often happen mm. that you can have that amount of uh, you know, context to something, even when you know, it doesn't play out the way you want it to. Because games, let's face it, aren't always that subtle. But so. I think that's the power of John Marston's character, isn't it? Isn't it? Mm-hmm. Um, when Josh was playing this a second time through, that moment, it would be, and, and for many people who play the game, it would be a no-brainer. John Marston carries on. He's doing this for his family to spare them whether or not he thinks that he's got a chance to make it out of this. And the fewer people along the way that he can drag into his own demise, the better. He just needs to do what he needs to do to get his family safe. And so from that point of view, it would have, you're absolutely right, completely changed the story if he had, even if it was to a certain extent to allow his family to escape, uh, you know, by, say, deciding to abandon them and, and cut them out of the picture and start this secret life. It still, it wouldn't have been right to him because he wouldn't have paid the price. Do you see what I mean? Mm-hmm. Uh, well, that's where the redemption comes in. in yeah, in that exactly. Yeah. So, um, what what I will just quickly say is, um, I I think he's he's a fantastic character from that regard. I think the the other thing we haven't talked about um, that, that differ, differs him from Jack is he seems very at peace, but as we said, he he's got this sort of deranged side to him. He's also got a very dangerous side to him, but it's a real quiet danger. I think when He's dealing with people. You've got the sense there, and, and it makes it understandable when he walks out the barn at the end. You think that dangerous side's going to come through, and he's going to somehow manage to take out twenty guys without a scratch on him, because you hear a little talk of the man he was beforehand, and you get the sense that there is that side of him just simmering under the surface, waiting to break out. And what I found really interesting was I found. The first part of the game, by the end of it, the first third before he goes to Mexico, I was getting bothered by the fact that he was letting, you know, yes, he wanted his redemption. Yes, he had to do this for his family. But some of the characters, he did not have to put up with the stuff that they were asking him to do, basically mm. demanding of him. Uh, there's two guys, the the medicine salesman, the charlatan, West basically. Dickens. Yeah, West, West Dickens. Dickens. That's it. Yeah, thank you. Um He's a respectable man, so I can understand that John Marston goes along with it, not happy with who this man is and and mocking him in many ways. But because he's a respectable man, John Marston says, "Okay, I'm a respectable man now too. I have to, I have to toe the line on this one." But is it Irish? The guy he meets, who's a drunkard, he's a drunkard, twitchy yeah. sort of guy, mm-hmm. and and starts basically treating John Marston like a bit of a dog when he realises he's got something John Marston needs. I really wanted to see John Marston cut loose at that point and realise that this guy, you know, compared to the respectable people, the sheriffs, 
Bonnie, the the agents even who who proved to be the most despicable people in this whole thing, in my opinion, for the the way that they treat those around them. Um, yeah, they all have respect in some way from people who matter, and they have a, a bearing on John Marston's life. This guy, this drunkard, who is treating John Marston the way he is, doesn't. And I I so in terms of what we we're talking about earlier with a role playing game, if that was a role playing game. I'd have loved to cut loose at that moment and, you know, threaten that guy, beat that guy to the point of getting the information from him and just seeing that side of John Marston for a second before he had to go back to being the man he wanted to be mm-hmm. rather than the man he was. Um, and, and so that's why when, when you said, Leon, that this is kind of a role-playing game, it is, but it's different because with role-playing games, the thing you usually get is choice. Mm. You can choose the way the story unfolds. With this game, you don't. And so it's actually, it's more of a true role-playing game, arguably, because it asks you to inhabit a role that you may not uh, agree with. You may not, you may not do the things this character would do yourself, but you have to put yourself in the shoes of the character and make the choices they would make. And Rockstar, Rockstar came close to it, I think, this time. Yeah, I mean, there's all, there's all kind of the levels of role playing, aren't there? From you know Mass Effect, which sort of allows you some binary choices, which fill, you know effectively fill up a meter and allow you to be a kind of polar uh, opposite of one archetype to be another. Um, but ultimately, the story told is pretty much the same with some minor changes. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Skyrim, which allows you you know a hell of a lot of freedom, but it suffers badly at the hands of all mm-hmm. the things we're talking about here, and you know the other games in that uh, that series and genre. Um, you know, storytelling, pacing, characters, all that stuff are massively diluted. And again, mm. you know, this is the problem where um, this is an interactive medium. I you know I wonder is it is sort of criticizing video games for some of these things. The, as the same as you know, criticizing a movie for not being able to change anything within it. But you you say that, and what we have here, I think we've read Dead Redemption. It it comes very close, but then you have that character. Is it Welsh? Who it could quite easily be taken out of the game. Irish um, Welsh. I, I, yeah, Irish. Yeah, Irish. <laughs> Irish. He could quite easily be taken out of the game. Um, and they could have a, a bit more of a. I guess they they build a very realistic world that you actually do inhabit John Marston comparatively to actually a lot of rock star games where you end up hating <laughs> hating the person you're playing and you can't understand his motives. Mm-hmm. Um, John Marston, you can. So the fact you do inhabit him so much, it actually makes it seem ten times as as worse when you you hit what seemingly is just padding because they need you to do one or two more missions within an area uh, for what they assume at that point is pacing. So yeah, take him out. It's <laughs> have a better story. I, I, just because it's interactive doesn't mean you can have uh, you can't have a, a decent story, even in in the sense of a, a huge open world role playing game. Oh no, I'm not. I'm not suggesting that. I'm I'm just suggesting that uh, again. It's the the sort of there are pressures on on a developer to have a certain amount of content, and obviously you know this game can last anything from presumably I don't know like twenty to thirty hours up to fifty to sixty if you do everything absolutely everything. Mm-hmm. I, I, I'm I'm guessing I think I played about forty hours. Um, you know, there's there's an argument which argument which says that to have the best story, you know, you actually 
you do you know you do go down the gears of war or, or any number of other games route and you know if rockstar want to tell this great story because they have these writers and they, and they employ these great voice actors and they should serve that best by not giving you all these gameplay choices uh, and i suppose is is james is is that what you're you're bas- you're, you're saying that that maybe rockstar are actually doing their writing prowess and their storytelling prowess a disservice by making these open world games because it's almost like they've they've ended up you know you can trace it back to dma design and the original gta mm. or whatever they've ended up in this strange place where they're 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 telling the best stories but they're also trying to make the best open world games but now perhaps people who want an open world game are best served by simply playing something ludicrous like saints row the third and mm-hmm. With Red Dead Redemption, maybe they should have gone down, you know, the route of Revolver, the original, and just told this fantastic story. Would it have Would it have worked as well? Would it have been as good? You know, what I would say, yeah, almost you've hit the nail on the head with my issues with it. the The problem I have is I feel like Rockstar have ambitions and they have the ability to tell, and they arguably do tell some of the best cinematic, uh, well crafted, well acted, well designed best-looking narrative stories out there, but they also are beholden to what happened when probably GTA 3, I'd pin it to, came out, which was they gave you a story and and the vast majority of people who played that game ran around with a rocket launcher shooting cars and and reveled in, in the freedom they had to, to mess around in a sandbox. Make chaos, yeah. And I, I come at it, I, I, I love single-player narrative games, so... To me, Rockstar are shackled by their desire to appease fans of that sandbox style of gameplay. Can I come in and just counter-argue yeah, that yeah, point? Yeah, um, I'm not a fan of the GTA 3, Saints Row, or Just Cause 2 style of game where it's a massive sandbox and you just fuck about. You just do whatever the hell you want and because I find that boring after mm-hmm. like an hour or something what i like in my open worlds is feeling like i'm in a character uh feeling like i'm a character in that world and interacting with that world as if i am that character and red dead redemption for me personally does that better than any other game when i did bounties like side mission bounties i wouldn't kill those guys i wouldn't just like shoot them dead i'd try and capture them alive because as a character i as john marston i felt like i would try and spare these people's lives i wouldn't just butcher them um when i do all sorts of like side mission stuff i tried to do it in character the way i felt john marston would do it Mm. Now, Red Dead Redemption, for me, because of the way the story is and the way the world is, it felt right to do that kind of stuff. Whereas in other games like Saints Row the Third, that doing that kind of feels stu- silly. Why would you do that when you can just blow him up with a missile launcher mm. or what have you? And the reason why I would say I don't want Rockstar to just make a single-player game that's linear is because I'd lose that experience in some of their next games, mm-hmm. and I hope they continue making games like this. I think um, one... I, I, I'm pretty sure that if Red Dead Redemption had come out and it was a 10-, 12-hour linear experience, um, it would have scored about 10% less overall on Metacritic mm-hmm. and sold several million fewer copies. Yep. Right or wrong, 
the story may have been told better. The cutscenes may have all still been there. It may have been a you know a more compelling experience for fans of narrative gaming. But I think the reality is that if they stripped it back to that, it would it would harm them uh, critically and commercially. Yeah, and and I wouldn't have liked the game as much. And I know that sounds like a, a contradiction, but. Um, I'm going to use an example that some people may well have heard before because I've written about it and probably talked about it before. When I went to Mexico, you are given two mission uh, givers that you can possibly go to. The first mm. one is Landon Ricketts, who is tangentially on the side of the, the rebels in Mexico. And the second one is uh, Vicente de Santos, I think, the captain mm-hmm. of, of the, the Mexican army. I went to Landon Ricketts first, uh, for no other reason than his was the closest dot on the map. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I loved that character. He's this gunslinger from America who's sought the, the freedom of a land that, that like Mexico and the escape, and he's getting away from all the, the, the life he had in America. And to John Marston, that must, it must have looked so tempting. I'll just stay in Mexico. I'll get away from everyone in America who has something against me so i did i went back again and again and again to landon ricketts doing Mm. all of his missions uh even at the cost of at one point i finished the mission right next to where i would need to be to start a a mission for the mexican army but i rode all the way back across to landon ricketts because i wanted to see that character storyline again it felt Mm. like a real partnership between marston and ricketts and the final mission of that, I assume we all got the same, uh, the final mission, you have to ride him on a stagecoach back to America. He decides to go back and he's done all he can for the rebels and he leaves. Mm-hmm. And he subjects you to about a five minute tirade on why playing both sides of this war against the other is not fitting for the man that you are <laughs> and how horrible it yeah. is and what sort of person are you. And I'm sorry, Landon, I haven't done any missions for the others. Why am I getting all this? And I know mm. it seems petty, and that's just the way games are, but Rockstar are so determined to give me two mission givers to go to in Mexico, yeah. to give me the choice, to give me the open world, that they forgot to include the fact that, and all they had to do was stop me doing that last mission for Landon Ricketts until I'd done a mission for the Mexican army. And that fits. It didn't, and it killed it, it, my game for me. I didn't mind Mexico, but it got killed right there because of that. Our correspondent, uh, Gary Blower a.k.a. Zantiriad, he says, there are very few games of this generation that I would attribute the word masterpiece to. In fact, there are only three games in the last six years that would make it into my all-time top ten. Red Dead Redemption is the game that almost broke the studio that made it, that aimed so high it set a new benchmark in the genre. It's not perfect. The scaffolding of an abandoned branching narrative breaks Mm -hmm. the middle act, and there are definitely highs and lows in the mission structure. Uh, so Gary refers to exactly mm. that bit which you're talking about. So, I mean, yeah, that, that can definitely be um, viewed as a failing. Just to uh, finish up yeah. Gary's mm. lovely email, uh, at gmail.com. But so few games succeed in creating the illusion of a living world and even less are brave enough to create a very adult game filled with corruption, betrayal, redemption, love and sacrifice. It successfully takes inspiration from some of the finest movies ever made and creates a compelling and surprisingly emotional game. It's up there with Bioshock for me and I personally think it's Rockstar's greatest hour after Bully. So that alludes to I I don't know the actual development history. I know there were talk yeah. of you know six day weeks and twelve hour days and yeah. um, 
various people from other uh, branches of Rockstar being jetted out to San Diego to what uh, the San Diego team thought were meddling. But mm. obviously, you know, the end result uh, for... Obviously, we're we're probably highlighting more of its flaws and we're talking about its successes in this show in some ways, which is probably testament to the overall quality of the experience. Um, If that's true, you know, that if 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 the game was completely going to branch there, then they may as well. You know, it's hard to see why they kept the option to do both storylines in there well, exactly and, uh, pure pure padding just lot one of them out and it gives some you know it gives you a, 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 a an excuse to play the game again if you want anyway yeah. so. so just just to, to finish that what happened was so all the way for, for five minutes in the middle of this game i hated it because it gave me a choice and then punished me for the choice I made, but punished me wrongly. And it sounds really petty, but so the other thing that happened was I crossed an invisible barrier over a bridge and suddenly, uh, mid-sentence, Landon Rickett switched to tell me I was a really nice guy and, and you know, <laughs> best of luck in all I'm doing and he's it's a pleasure to meet me and, you know, being really nice to me, a fond farewell. And it it killed that narrative for me. And I thought mm. if Rockstar would, and, and Josh, to your point, I love the fact they created this world. And I love everything they put into it. And the fact that you can pick and choose the experience you want to have from it is great. But Rockstar seemed beholden to that GTA mission structure of you've always got two or three people on the go at any one time, but ultimately you have to do every mission for every person. There's something there in in Rockstar's game's DNA that just doesn't work for me. And, And... Aside from Bully, Red Dead Redemption has come closest to to perfecting that and getting away from the tropes that that they they've fallen into. So, having not played Bully, what is it that Bully does different? Is it that it has a a shorter narrative, or it just funnels you down a, a route and, no, and closes um, some of those doors off? It's really easy, actually. First of all, okay, with GTA games, and much less so in in Red Dead Redemption as well. Uh, but in GTA games particularly, people pick up on the unlikable character, the fact that mm. Nico Bellic spends the whole game moaning about the fact that he's being dragged back into this life and then mm-hmm. just massacring anyone who gets in his way. I, I never had that problem because, well, I, I did, but at a certain point, that's a video game. Leon said already this episode, you have to go with the the tropes of video games and that's what makes a, a good game, you know, or a fun game maybe. So that's mm. fine. But in Bully, you play a character who has those sorts of mood swings, but he's a teenager in a high school. They have those sorts of mood swings. And, and not to offend any listeners who may be in high school, but you know you can be best friends with someone one day, vicious enemies the next, and then you make up the following day. That's mm. a reality of high school life. So it works. That character works. Um, and And the fact that you can abandon the, the, the main narrative to go off and do a side quest fits in a high school because sometimes you go to school and you just want to get away from that place and you can just drop it because you're not saving the world, you're not saving the family, you're not doing any of those things. You are just a kid trying to get through high school. And so if you don't want to go and help the geeks out against the jocks, you know, you don't. You just wander away from it and you go to the fairground for a while. It's just there's something, I think it's the context, like you said earlier, Tony. In Bully, the context works. And 
I don't know if it's well designed or if they lucked upon it, but it works for the type of game they play. It's got all the usual Rockstar uh, structure and tropes and and the way that they make games, but it just really, really works in in I, Bully. And I I I hate to 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 make these negative points about Red Dead Redemption because next to Bully, it is easily the best best Rockstar game I've played. And listening to you guys today and, and some chat on Twitter over the past few days, I want to go back and replay it and get back into it and play more. Um, I, I find see. it fascinating that we've, we've all approached this game in, in very different ways and all had very different um, opinions of it and certain things set us off more than others. Hmm. For me, it's, it's, I think I'm, I'm with you, James, in the fact that Rockstar seems to be constantly caught up in some of their tropes. Um, for me in particular, it's the look, we can fill this world up with a ton of quests um, and it feels slightly unnecessary because I think the, the actual storyline is good enough that you could push through. Um, what I have, I think, learned is that it's... I love the open world nature of these games, um, but I don't tend... I, well, I, in this one in particular, I, have, I didn't get caught up with all these side quests, but I have to have that open world for this game, for certainly this game in particular, to work. Um, it's one of the things that I never got so angry with L.A. Noir's. Well, it's just an open world and there's nothing to do with it. Well, that is true. But where it does work is in the context that you drive from A to B. And that actually meant a lot for me. I know a lot of people just fast traveled around the world and, and you know got through it. But um, it gave a lot of context to have um, go from one case, go from um, your police headquarters and drive all the way to the other side of the city have that conversation in the car and actually pulling up outside of somebody's house and walking through that, that door. Um, it felt a lot more coherent, I guess. Um, and the same thing with Red Dead Redemption. I needed that open world to, mm. to ride from plane to plane um, and for the story to actually work in there. So I wouldn't want that open world to be taken away. I wouldn't want it to be a, a very false narrative, um, but I just wasn't drawn in by all that side stuff. So but it, it sounds like we've all had slightly different approaches to that, and either um, the 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 rock star formula uh, has grated on us one way or the other. But um, it's for me, it's not quite right in this. But I, I do actually want to get on to to talking about some of its its more overarching positives, and I, and something we haven't actually um, mentioned is the backdrop of um, the industrial world um, putting pressure on this old way of life. Mm. which is fascinating and mm. bleeds through both in the storytelling and in, in the world as you progress through a, a lot of the Old West. Um, what's the end of the game called? Because I haven't played it for a while. What's the final area, city called? Oh, Blackwater. Blackwater, Blackwater yeah. Yes, yeah, so once you get to Blackwater and, and industry is, is clearly pushed through there as, as a major town. Um, and that's really shocking the first time you get there because you you've been driving you know been riding across these plains and the simpler way of life and you know men sort things out like men and all of a, all of a sudden you are kind of working for the man and industry is pushing across and there's cars and they feel utterly alien to this world that you've experienced mm. for the first you know for the past fifteen to twenty hours before you actually reach that town. It's only, it's only set like three decades before L.A. Noir. You think about the mm. difference in the in the city in that. It, it was an, obviously, and it was an extraordinary time. It reminds me a lot of um, the series Deadwood because um, in Deadwood they have this lawless town, but they're constantly trying to fight back 
um, governments and um, officials coming in and trying to make that town like officially part of America because the way it is for, uh, at that time uh, meant that they could do whatever the hell they want. They mm -hmm. could run businesses the way they wanted to. They could settle things by killing people and just burying them and not get overly fussed because ultimately for the town it works if that person dies. But then having the complications and the paperwork and everything that comes with civilization, trying to fight that off because in some ways in their minds it would be worse because you lose the magic, you lose the freedom that you mm -hmm. do you have with the Wild West. Yeah, it's very much uh, um, it. It reminds me, and I'm going to invoke another uh, fantastic sort of almost Western movie here. Uh, there will be blood. It's got very much that feel of it, mm -hmm. where mm -hmm. it, it's yeah. it's two sides of America. Just uh, well, the, again, it's the inevitability of one side losing to the other. You can see that the agents that John Marston has to report to are the, sort of the harbingers of this world creeping in on John Marston's, and it, it probably should have been more obvious to me the sort of inevitability that John Marston would be swept aside in favor of their new government and their uh you know their new business and the fact that they were basically remaking this world the way they wanted to to it to be uh yeah really really powerful stuff and just the fact that you know films like uh the proposition or there will be blood or uh, 310 to yuma um red dead redemption stands us aside alongside these as a great modern western uh, well, modern telling of a Western period piece, it really does because mm. it captures so much that uh, that Westerns do. Uh, it really is sort of a it, it brings together so many uh, different aspects from different films, uh, really, really incredibly well in that respect. I think I'm no historian, but it certainly feels yeah, it feels more like it's got itself rooted in obviously with with caveats uh, actual history than you know it's certainly not based on the the sort of so much the spaghetti westerns or the no. john wayne westerns um there are elements thereof but uh but yeah it does feel more like those films you mentioned than mm -hmm. there's than there's us. another film called um no country for old men um yeah. which is a coen brothers film um which also has very similar parallels to this in, in the fact that um the character the main character in that it He's a, a well. He's a person of a time that is just disappearing. You know that there's well, it's Tommy Lee, isn't it? There's an old cop, and things are happening, and his methods. Tommy are, Lee Jones, yeah, not Tommy, Tommy Lee, the drummer out of yes, uh, um, what's he yeah, called? Motley Crue. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah. And his his the way that he does things is is just not acceptable in society. It's slowly yeah. drifting away, and like, is there much point of him actually? Uh, being a cop in 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 this day and age, and I think the same thing with John Marston. He knows mm. that you know his time as this um, free roaming. Um, he's not really a vigilante, is he? <laughs> Just this, the the time of the cowboy is coming to an end, mm. and he's going to set hopefully set up his family so his his son can you know be one of these beacons of the future. And I think that's kind of why why it's so disappointing when eventually you meet him and, and he's really not changed too far away. He, he's probably actually very similar to what his father was back when he was that age. Um, so nothing really gets solved. Although, you know, the period 
is is move forward. Yeah. He's just kind of taken up his old father's traits, and if anything, he embraces it more, and 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 he's and he's more out of touch. And I think that's the mm-hmm. I think that's what the game yeah. is is telling us. That's the tragedy of the story, isn't it? That yeah, jo- John Marston's death isn't isn't a tragedy because he'd accepted it. It's mm-hmm. the fact that despite all he had done, and in some ways, I suppose it is a failing on his part that. Um, he, he tried to protect his son too much from the person he was and instead of showing his son the person he was and how much John Marston regretted the things he'd done and mm. therefore accepted his own fate. He, he, his son never saw that. His son saw his father torn away from him when as far as, as he knew, as far as we were shown the story, his father was a good man. Um, and, and so, yeah, I, I, um, I remember seeing a lot of people saying they, they didn't like Jack um, and I, I never really felt that. Um, I, I thought it was really interesting, if a little stereotypical, to see this angered, uh, hatred-filled uh, mm. child, essentially. I mean, he, he's, he's a man to all intents and purposes, but he's a child still on, yeah. on the back of that horse riding through, aside from the fact he looks like Jack White for no good reason. Um, <laughs> just to, to see that and, and the scene where when you get to the, the very end of that epilogue of, uh, and, and you're stood at the riverbank, gun mm. trained on the man who's responsible for your father's death, the futility of what he's doing, but the justice in it, despite the fact that it's blind justice, the fact that it's, it, you know, he's blinded by his rage, it's still the justice of it because those agents, you know, they rode roughshod over people that they needed to manipulate in order to to get the lives they wanted and they destroyed Jack's life in almost every way. And I know a lot of people had uh, mixed feelings uh, or sorry, different people have mm. different feelings about that ending. But for me, I've, I've, although I, I went through with it and I did it and there was actually, you know, the, the option is to not do that mission and leave the guy alive. Yeah. But again, it's about seeing the content and feeling the dramatic impact of the moment. My feeling was just, it was really quite depressing that he actually went through with it because, mm. you know, it, he wasn't solving anything. No. P- people who are perhaps more, you know, predisposed to supporting the death penalty. And as I said earlier, the, the eye for an eye thing. Um, but, you know, I, I'm of the understanding that generally uh, the victims of crime who see the perpetrators go to the, the, the chair or a lethal injection don't feel any sense of um, satisfaction whatsoever. Uh, and in fact, in, in a lot of cases, psychologically, it can leave them more scarred. So doing that with Jack makes perfect sense because I think maybe he would have done it, mm. but I think it, it finishes off, it, it, it makes a mockery of, of the name of the game in the very end, in the very last action. Um, the, the, there is no redemption there at all for, for Jack. For Jack, no. I think for John, yes. But mm-hmm. yeah. And, and that's what I mean. I, I'm with with you. Uh, revenge isn't something that I generally feel myself ever. I I find it uh, petty in many ways. Oftentimes, you'll you'll hear people really sort of uh, for somewhat trivial things. Sometimes, not in the case of this instance where someone has literally killed their father, but in mm. in more trivial matters, they'll, they'll actually see that or uh, feel that it's justice to get their own back. And and I've I've never really felt that myself um but i think i understood jack in that moment i think that's the 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 difference between myself and what tony was saying in terms of how much he was able to 
to like that character and enjoy playing him. I, I could at the end of the day, he does gun down an old man in cold blood. Yeah, yeah, Did, yeah, in his yeah. house. I, I do, I do understand it, and in fact, I think the fact that I understood that much is the thing that put me off that character. Is that you know, essentially, I did pull the trigger. I even got the feeling that that was probably the first life Jack had ever taken, and that he'd been waiting for the entirety of this opportunity to to gun down this man. Yeah. What is interesting, I mean, about that scene is that they essentially, I remember people never get into it, never even knowing it existed because <laughs> yeah, they saw the end credits roll, and yep. as far as they were, you know, concerned, there was. That you know the redemption had been met and and you know John Marsner died. Um, I I remember you, um, Leon, talking with, with Neil on Gamer Dog about yeah, how yeah, he had he, completely had no idea about that. Yeah. Um. So yeah, I'm sure a lot of people missed it. I mean, you could all. Th- this game is absolutely riddled with uh, little Easter eggs mm. of various kinds. Go no, on I would, YouTube I would argue that's not an Easter egg. That's a well. It's one of the, yeah. we, we spend a lot of time on that's this podcast. That's what I was going to say. Is it crucial it? to the story? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's it's an interesting one, and again, it's a, it's a thing about video games. Again, they could have railroaded you to the point where you had to play that scene somehow. Yeah. Um, they could have not had the credits first. They could have, you know, had a simply had a a card, you know, a fade to black and a fade back in, or or something, or a cutscene yeah. or whatever. But instead, they have the credits, and then I think it even comes back with a message saying, you know, you you are now Jack Marston. You are free to roam this world and do what you want, kind of thing. Um, if you look into your menu and stats, you'll notice that you, 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 you're in the same stage of progression yeah. along your, all your ambient challenges and, and all, all, all that. Um, I would guess that the majority of people would take a look at the map and notice that there are a few new things to do on there, question marks to visit and whatever. But, uh, but I guess, yeah, they, they don't make you do it. For, which... Forgive my fuzzy memory, Josh, you may be the best person to answer this. I want to say at the end of the game, it's not obvious that you are to go to one. The quest line that you're supposed to, t- or that is laid out for Jack, isn't obvious. It's not just that there's a question mark there, and if you never visit it, you will not get this quest. I want to say that there's, I seem to remember some reason why you may never actually find that that quest is, is there to be done. I'm, I'm, um, this may be my fuzzy memory, and it could be completely wrong on the fact, but. Not that I could, because it. For me, when I played it a second time, it just came up as a question mark yeah. on my map. Mm-hmm. Um, whether that's because they've patched the game since uh, no, the original release, no, it comes as a question mark. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. For, well, for some reason, I thought I think there was a question mark to go to Blackwater, but then once you'd been there, you had to go back and visit someone a second time to actually get the information. You find somebody needed. at the train remember, station, but- don't you? But yeah, there was yeah. there was some reason that I thought it wasn't a terribly obvious thing that you had to do this, and and that it was a bit more of an Easter egg. I but, know, but perhaps, I know what you're getting at. I do have a vague recollection, wasn't there? Um, you have to speak to his, you speak to his wife first, don't you? And yeah. she's and she says he's down by the river, kind of thing. Yeah, but, I, I can't yeah. remember. Uh, apologies for for bringing it up, but I I seem to remember <laughs> there's there's something that makes it seem a little more hidden than it it, it feels like maybe it was for anyone who has completed that. Well, I think mainly because it just, on your map, it just comes up as like a side mission. And I think when I first played it, I didn't really pay it much attention. I thought, oh, it's another side mission. I'm kind of done with this game. So I think I'm going to leave it. That would make sense. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah. You just think, oh, yeah, it's probably just some thing, some little trinket, some Mm. trifling matter. Oh, no, it's actually the the proper end of the game. Yeah. So, you know, we've talked a lot. I think it talks intelligently a lot about the problems that Red Dead Redemption had, and I think a lot of that's kind of caught up in the Rockstar um, way of doing things. But 
you t- I mean, Leon and, and Josh, I, I know you rate this game incredibly highly. So tell us a bit more on, on the, the reasons why you're, you're so high up there. I mean, I, mean, well, I, I need to bring uh, I need to bring these other comments from the forum. Yeah. So I'll, I'll use these because they echo a lot of the sentiments that I would uh, express anyway. So Andy Kurosaki says, John Marston is one of those rare examples of a likable main character. He's led a life of regrets, and from his beginning to its conclusion, he's a character I genuinely cared about. In most games, when given the choice, I'm an evil bastard, shooting people, stealing cash. I go for the bad side. But in this, I was the total opposite, as I felt that John wouldn't do that. That's interesting in, in that, you know, well, we sort, we've sort of talked mm, about Josh that, but it, it is interesting that this man who we do, you know, what, what do you actually do in this game more than anything else? Shoot. You shoot a gun and you shoot people in the head mostly in bullet time. You know, that is actually what you do, yet we've hardly talked about that. We've, hard, we've not talked about the shooting mechanics, which are fine, by the way. Um, the sound of the guns is awesome. That's quite a big thing. Um, the way the guns look when firing off in a distance is absolutely stunning with the puff of smoke and all that. When you see like a gang of hoodlums riding through a town, that's amazing. Um, and you, again, you can choose to deal or not to deal with. Um, Mr. Nicey, also on the forum, characterselect.net slash forum, says the scenery was immense. Watching the sunset upon the dusty canyons or simply stopping to watch a thunderstorm light up the sky. I think the immersion I had in this game was pretty complete. Nothing has come close to this other than MMOs for me. And Matt Harrier of the Dork Dunes podcast. He says, Red Dead Redemption is a game that I have very fond memories of and is certainly one of my personal highlights of this generation. I can't really articulate articulate why I love this game to the very end and gave up on GTA 4, as even having played them both, I still maintain they are essentially the same type of experience. But one part of it is that I gave a shit about John Marston and his wife, his mm-hmm. son and his friends, whereas Nico Bellic irritated me. Um, yeah, all that, all, the, all, the, all that those guys mm-hmm. there said, really. Um, but, you know, with me, I, I'm often, I'm quite bad at analysing stories and I quite often fail to follow them correctly and although i know that i enjoyed the vast majority of the cutscenes and and the actual interchanges between the characters and the voice acting was very good even though like it's worth mentioning there was very little kind of stunt casting in this there's a lot of unknowns cast mm-hmm. you know even uh, rob wheathoff who plays john marston he's only got a very you know handful of credits to his name he's only been acting for a few years these are not people who uh, you know, where in other games we've seen, you know, Chris Penn and Sam Jackson in, in Rockstar games, yeah. people like that, Sean Ryder, God knows who else. Um, Ricky Gervais. Ricky Gervais, yeah. <laughs> uh, whereas if if you look down the cast list for Red Dead, there's a few na- there's a few character actors you may recognise from American mm. TV shows and stuff like that. But by and large, they chose people for their sound and their capability rather than their name, which I think is is excellent you know it's it's something that should happen more um that's not to say that some of those stunt casting things in other games haven't been entertaining or whatever um but for me as as somebody who thrives most on immersion and gameplay when i'm enjoying video games ahead of narrative um it is so much about the actual look and feel of the game world and it, you know the it is one of the again a laughable disconnect is the, the idea that it takes you know Marston thirty forty hours of gameplay before enough dudes finally realise that if they all stand there and shoot him at the same time he's not going to stand much of a chance. Whereas you've been through countless towns and encampments where you've taken on you know three baddies hiding behind a rock and then three standing next to some conveniently placed dynamite. You know maybe if some one of these gangs of uh, hoodlums had just uh, you know, all come out their guns blazing 
then we wouldn't have got that far in the story. But uh, the fact is that you know the cover mechanic works, the gun the gunplay is fun, the the bullet time stuff, uh, whatever it was, dead eye, whatever it's dead called, eye, yeah. uh, is enormously entertaining. Doesn't really get old. That um, I probably did have a bit of combat fatigue by the end of the game, and I even did in um, in Undead Nightmare, which we'll cover off very briefly in a minute. Um, but actually playing the game, being in the world, and the, you know, for me, the the story and the and the, the the fact that all that was of a high quality is very much the icing on the cake, rather than the the fundaments of my experience. For me, it was just kind of like a combination of elements coming together really well. Basically, what um, Leon just said. I mean, I think the shooting, while not anywhere near as good as say a Gears of War or a vanquish or something like that is probably the best in the open world genre i think the only thing uh, that beats it is probably infamous in terms of combat um i think the sound design is impeccable mm. um right up there with something like dead space in terms of sound design i mean where wherever you stand in the world there is always some kind of ambient noise that makes sense for the environment you're in at that moment um, which does so much for the immersion. And we, we've said it on this podcast before, but people in sound design are constantly overlooked mm-hmm. um, in terms of their talents. And I've, I think uh, Red Dead Redemption's biggest strength is that. Um, I think the world, I don't know what it is, but in Grand Theft Auto 4, I just kind of felt bored by the world. Maybe it's because, you know, it's so familiar to us, the urban environment. I mean, I live in London, and London isn't a million ma- uh, miles away from New York. It's the Wild West. Ba- oh. <laughs> yeah. yeah, sorry. <laughs> and um, while, Whereas the Wild West is just this completely alien, magical, mysterious environment that just, you just look at it and you think, I want to explore that. I want to find out as much as I can about this world. And that's kind of what I fell in love with, really. I guess what I would say about it is I I feel really quite harsh for, for the way I, I treat Red Dead Redemption. My my three-word review that got me a place on this podcast, I fear, um, was <laughs> parts exceed whole. And, and what I meant by that was we've talked about graphics there. Uh, we've talked about the music, which both of those, I think the, the only way in which uh, the Spaghetti Westerns actually uh are are paid homage to in in this game are the visuals and the music and those are the two ways that you pay homage to those those era films the the leone films in particular um and, and they do it amazingly in red dead redemption they really do um the characters and the story are fantastic and it's just unfortunate that for me a couple of niggles i have with rock stars uh sort of their the structure the way they structure and make games just took away a little bit from the whole but that said i've got listening to uh you guys on this podcast and having been back into the game tonight for half an hour or so uh i feel so inclined to go back to it and and have another go Mm. and 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 just go back to find out what it was that you guys saw in it that that I I guess I saw but just didn't maybe give appropriate weight to didn't appreciate as much as I could because 
uh, with this game, I think the the best analogy I can make is that when I was playing it, it felt a little bit like Rockstar were were Icarus flying just that little bit too close to the sun, and and here's me damning them forever trying, you know, and that that seems really harsh, and and I feel rotten for doing it, but uh, I I felt like I needed to sort of get that off my chest in some respects, and and. Uh, not detract from the game, but put it in context. Rockstar have done amazing things with with uh, Red Dead Redemption, but maybe they there's just a couple of ways in which easy ways in which they could Im- improve the game. Uh, in in terms of balancing open world versus story, the only thing I can really think of, and it it doesn't necessarily apply, is when I was playing Burnout Paradise, and same as anyone else who was playing Burnout Paradise. You could play that as a single player game, and with the press of three buttons, uh, you could then um, switch into multiplayer and go online in that game. If there was a way in which you could just, you know, switch between open world and narrative modes, but then from, you know, from whatever, you know, cutting that side out of the game wouldn't seem to work either. So. I don't exactly know what it is that I'd be looking for Rockstar to do, what tweaks they could make, but um, they came incredibly close with this game to to really matching up to something like Bully, which is is where they got it spot on in in my eyes. So I, I think my closing statements really are, although you know we've, there's so much we've could have talked about this game, and I think the fact that we we've had a, a rather intelligent or hopefully intelligent conversation about some of the, the de- deeper um, story arcs of this game, um, some of the the mechanics that Rockstar are famous for using, and good or bad, um, is actually testament to how good this game is. Because I have a feeling that most people that want to have played Red Dead Redemption have probably already played Red Dead Redemption, or have a fair knowledge of what Red Dead Redemption is. Um, it almost feels pointless or of little value to tell you that it's it's gorgeous to look at the environments you know sweeps you up and if you allow it it will you know take you take hours away from your life and you just want to spend time there um soaking up the sunset and the warmth from the screen is like the sun is burning through your tv screen and giving you um giving you a suntan the other side certainly if you're playing it in the height of summer Mm. there's a real immersion aspect and yeah but i think most people know that most people understand that rockstar make great games and all that stuff exists um the on for, for instance the online stuff we haven't talked about there's a huge open world you just go go into this this world with you know is it how many can you have in in just free roam is it 12 um 16 players i know certainly in, in multiplayer i was playing 16 player deathmatch and that was hilarious because <laughs> because it the setting of wild west just works so well and it there's so mm. much context to it um, and then, and then the open world environment when you're playing and just free roam. Um, I mean, yes, you can be shot and ganked um, very easily. Yeah, that was. I was gonna like if we cover off the multiplayer quite quickly. I know it was for many people it was quite a short-lived thing, but but that said, for some others, you know, including some people we know, Joey and Jake, mm-hmm. particularly, uh, their Red Dead multiplayer went on for months, if not years. Um, Which, it's actually, it's actually, you know, it's it's pretty good. It is. Uh, 
And it's far better than GTA's um, attempted it, which people got bored with very quickly. And there was very little to do in that world, although the, the environment was I also was just felt big. that was underrated. I, I think people people lack imagination when given a multiplayer <laughs> sandbox. Toy yeah, I was yeah. going to say, I think with GTA 4, Rockstar started, and with Red Dead Redemption, I haven't played nearly as much of it as I should. Uh, barely any, in fact. They're starting to do something really interesting almost to the point of, with Red Dead Redemption, separating out what I would say is the sandbox-style player from the open-world player and also f- and, and trying to build open-world narrative together. The sandbox-style player is, is the one that uh, Josh was talking about earlier, you know, hops into GTA 3, no eye on the story, pulls out a rocket launcher or, or goes on one of the Rampage uh, mini side quests. And they're starting to really do something interesting with multiplayer where that player has that environment with friends to go and do that sort of thing, to get imaginative, to, to let loose upon the world that they're in. Um, I'd be really interested to see where they go with that in GTA five, whatever comes next for red dead or bully or anything like that, because does Max Payne have a multiplayer component? Do we know? It, it sounds never like has it up to this point, but, uh, as for but, yeah, no, mm, I haven't heard anything. I know that so you know, looking at the credits for Max Payne three, the the uh, the t- it's listed as virtually every Rockstar team. You know, mm-hmm. Vancouver, whose last credit was Bully or Carnage mm-hmm. Carnage Edit. Um, they are involved somehow in the making of Max Payne, um, as are seemingly most of the rest of the Rockstar studios. So, you know, um, although for many, Alain Noir was a dip- disappointment. I enjoyed it. Um, Certainly not in the same league as Red Dead for me, but um, Max Payne could be interesting. It's only a few months away, isn't it? Um, I just also uh, like, yeah, we like to fans of the the Red Dead multiplayer. Sorry for selling it short, but um, I did spend a fair few mm-hmm. happy hours in it. I didn't buy the. Um, sorry, I do have the co-op pack, but I've not played it at all. Um, I, I suspect I'd enjoy it very much, but it's you know just one of those things. It was supported heavily with DLC. There's many packs released. Yes, I didn't get the the one that allowed multiplayer poker and, and Liar's Dice and all that. But uh, Liar's I, and Cheats pack, I think it was called. Yeah, yeah, I appreciated that they, they did that. It was it was a good thing that they did. Yeah. Um, but what I did get um, was Undead Nightmare, and uh, I just want to briefly talk about that um, because it's unusual. You know, A lot of people at the time said, zombies you're joking <laughs> um but it's actually it's uh it, it works it's got a, a a wicked vicious sense of humor it changes up the gameplay in some ways from the uh quite significant ways from the main game in that the the town sieges you're up against various sort of uh, left for dead style zombies rather than you know there's there's spitters called wretches in this and there's big fat ones who run at you um but it's yeah it's it's darkly funny and I was expecting at the end, as I said earlier, and then John or Jack woke up and it was all a dream. But nope, they never do that. Mm. Not at all. Um, in fact, you get to come back as Zombie Marston um, after he's died in Red Dead Redemption um, in in this uh, version of the narrative. So uh, fair play to them for that. I also <laughs> particularly appreciate, um, it's something I have very strong feelings about in, in the real world, which is... Um, people who sort of uh, embrace uh, like 
apocalypse theory um the the idea that every sort of every group of humans who have been on this planet up to this point always thinks that their time is are the, the end times for whatever reason they'll always come up with a reason there's always something every every it goes in cycles as well whether it's you know the nuclear apocalypse or the car or global warming or or whatever there's always and you know going way back it would have been you know falling off the earth or whatever you know mm-hmm. every every uh throughout history humans have embraced this idea because well for a few reasons one because it it makes them want to it makes them feel like that they're important in some way mm. because they're going to be here for the end of it all and also because it's a fantastic industry people make huge amounts of money out of it by selling you know books of nonsense and videos of nonsense and um and i like the fact that this has a this this is this uh, dlc is effectively satirizing that um at the end uh, particularly he uh he has a good exchange with the um, bigoted shopkeeper who who crops up in the main game, who's uh, particularly anti-Jewish, um, but also pretty much anti-everyone who isn't, you know, white, uh, Christian um, man. Uh, and uh, at the end of Undead Nightmare, John Marston says, I've been told everyone's responsible to this, for this, you know, from, from this to that, the other Jews, women, black people, whatever, you know, Mexicans. Um, and And it turns out that, you know, of course, that's all bollocks. So mm. I appreciated that. Yeah. Um, I didn't quite understand because it did seem to be like he was, um, the whole thing seemed to center around his psyche. At the end, there's a lot of, uh, it's, I guess it, it relates to, to the strange man um, tale from the, from the main in that uh, there's this sort of uh, Mexican goddess effectively who sort of keeps appearing around him and leads him into this place to return this uh, sacred mask to stop the zombie apocalypse. But she talks to him a lot about how, uh, you know, this, it's, it's like the, uh, to use a a highbrow um, analogy, it's like the, the cave that Luke goes into in the empire strikes back, you know, you, he's, he's taking, he's taking in his own demons kind of thing. Mm. But, uh, but it's, it's, it's a really interesting piece of DLC and, you know, it it just works for me. Anyone did anyone else play? It? Uh, uh, yeah, I did. Um, I really enjoyed it simply because it kind of felt like, okay, we told you this serious story. Now let's take the piss out of ourselves. And um, I kind of enjoy the fact that Rockstar are willing to do that to you know have a serious tone, but also willing to laugh at themselves. Mm-hmm. Like there are several moments with. Um, characters where they're clearly just taking the mick out of moments from the main game mm-hmm. like with the shopkeeper and there's that uh, medical researcher who uh, had a thing with indians later on in the game as well mm-hmm. he meets his death in a rather hilarious way i'm just gonna go around that corner alone where it's really alley. dark yeah. <laughs> yeah and nothing's gonna happen uh and stuff like that was hilarious but also the fact that the combat is just so different Mm. because in the main game you are constantly behind cover you have to be because otherwise you're just going to be gunned down Mm. uh in um this add-on if you're behind cover you're going to get eaten you have to be constantly mobile and constant and also you can't well you can kill a zombie by shooting them in the body but it takes so long that you're just constantly going for headshots and there the dead eye aiming system becomes 
essential uh, almost to get through that oh, game totally, because yeah. otherwise yeah, it's, uh, they just completely overwhelm well, later you. Later on you unlock the blunderbuss which uh, shoots um, undead body parts back at them and explodes them in one <laughs> shot which is entertaining. Um, <laughs> there's quite a lot of things that you can actually sort of almost bypass in that. Quite a lot of weapon upgrades and um, there's uh, the blue phosphorus bullets and things like this. Um, and there's a, there's a lot of content in there. There's a whole bunch of people to rescue instead of, uh, instead of wanted posters. You've got, um, you know, people who are holed up in places that need busting out and stuff. There's a whole load of uh, new ambient challenges and um, uh, content. And, uh, yeah, I played it for about eight hours to the end of the story, but there was more I could have done. So for the price that you can get it for, it's a bargain if you like the main game, possibly even if you don't. Yeah, and absolutely. I would say I, I, I loved the beginning of it. it. They set the tone right from the beginning where – uh, you've got this B movie voiceover as if it's a trailer, or and it, it's the intro, obviously. Uh, but it, it just sets a really fantastic tone for Undead Nightmare. And yeah, I I agree with Josh. When when you look at um, the the main game, it lacks maybe a bit of the humor and the satire that G- you expect from GTA and therefore from Rockstar. But it needs to because that's just not. It's not the the game they're they're making with with Red Dead Redemption, but they pour so much of it into what little I've seen, maybe an hour or so of Red De- of um, Undead Nightmare. Um, it's all in there, um, and there's homages to different films. There's uh, knowing winks all over the place, and the fact that it does feed back into the main story a little, in a similar way to it's another zombie DLC, but Borderlands. Um, uh, Doctor Munro's Munro's Island. Yeah, yeah, it's um, Doctor Zed's Island. Oh yeah, the Zombie Island. Yeah, yeah. 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 Um, there you go, Zombie Island. Yeah, uh, and in a similar way to the way that does, the gameplay changes. The the combat is so much more manic, um, and I I when I started playing it, had forgotten the controls to to start up Dead Eye, mm. and you really are tested if you're not using Deadeye because getting headshots is very tough. Yeah. Um, and and you panic when you've got to reload after every couple of shots with the uh, the shotgun or the rifle. And, uh, yeah, you're just strafing and running all over the place, turning just to get a quick shot off, and, and then off you go again. But, but really quite fun. And it, I think that shows how much the combat really does hold up because with GTA 4... Uh, there was a lot of uh, sort of talk. Well, there wasn't much talk about the game at all, but what there was beforehand was um, talk about how they'd got a cover mechanic in, they'd upgraded the combat and made the that all work much better. Mm. Um, but there was still some criticism of that. But with, with this game, partly because of context, but they got it right and Undead Nightmare shows it because... you. You were saying, Leon, that you do a lot of shooting in the main game, but it never feels like you do because the times in between your shooting are so much more impactful than they are in something like GTA, Mm. whereas in Undead Nightmare, you're doing a lot of shooting. And if that combat wasn't holding up, if if the the guns didn't work as they should, if the aiming didn't work as it should, you would know about it and it wouldn't be fun, but it is. And it's got a really mm. sad uh, quest involving the Sasquatch, so check that out. And some <laughs> mythical horses as well. So, listening to all that, I, I think I was 
trying to finish up at the point was that coming to this podcast, I think we could have approached it many ways. Um, honestly, we could have done an entire podcast on just the atmosphere of Red Dead Redemption. I think we could have done a, an entire podcast on the stories, much like Skyrim stories, where you went out into an environment and you were taken down by a cougar. Um, or you know, a random encounter would happen. And, and I think you could do a whole show on that and it would be utterly fascinating. Equally, I think we could probably do a show about the combat mechanics. Um, I feel like what we've managed to do is do a show more about the, one, about the story, and two, maybe the, the overarching mechanics of um, Rockstar ga- games. And um, I actually think that's a really good thing because there's not many games where I think you can have that kind of deep uh, and interesting conversation about the actual story and how it played out and redemption aspects and, and whether you like the offspring of, of that character. Uh, and that's a real highlight to me. That's what I come to games for mostly. Um, and I, I feel like, you know, almost like we've left certain bits out here, there and everywhere. But it's it's almost impossible to cover this game in the way that I think so many people will be listening and going, oh, they should have talked about that. They should have talked about that. Um, but I, I, it's, it's an incredible game. It's an incredible achievement. Um, and I think everybody will have a slightly different reaction to it. And I think, you know, us four have all had that slightly different uh, feeling about what this game brings. But to me, uh, the highlight was the story stuff. Um, and, you know, that, that's a high benchmark and a high testament that we can have a, a what, an hour and a half pretty much talk about um, story of this game. And, and certainly it being an open world game is even higher a testament because they tend to get put to one side. So Very true. So we should uh, leave most of the final words to our listeners. Let's wrap up with some of the three-word reviews we got in on Twitter. Is that her? Horace goes skiing, Tony. You should. This is an eight-bit gaming classic. Horace goes skiing. We, we shall review it next week. <laughs> <laughs> Horace goes skiing said poorly paced disappointment. Uh, Strident said sublime until Mexico. Count Stex sumptuous saddle saw. <laughs> Jonas Maximus says bang sorry horsey uh, Ellis Spice went for the uh, GTA with horses um, but he doesn't say whether that's a good or a bad thing so uh, the new Del Boy stupid bloody Mexico we should have done a whole we could have done a whole podcast on Mexico mm. apparently <laughs> um, cool stream cool stream cool stream better than GTA I think most of us agree Chaz. Uh, Chazzy, Chazzy UK, Chazzy UK, stunning and endure, endure Mexico. Yeah. yeah, he's saying basically get through it because the rest of the game is is worth it. I think tropism. Yeah, best game ever. Yeah, so we've had at least two people on the show who mm-hmm. genuinely feel that Red Dead Redemption is the best game ever made. So fair play to them. And to wrap up, campfire burning, sunrise, sunset, gunplay. Uh, and some dude called Capone Adam. Never, Never heard of him. him. No. <laughs> uh, he says beats Sunset Riders, um, which, you know, depends how you feel about Konami's 90s coin-op Sunset Riders. But uh, it was a rather good cowboy game. Perhaps, perhaps not really the same thing as Red Dead Redemption. I, I will say that the, the, the Wild West genre is, is pretty um, underserved. As a, it, 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 you think it makes so much sense because guns are just naturally in those environments. Yet we have fair, so few games that have ever really graced the platforms, have we? So yeah, um, yeah, it goes through cycles, I guess. Um, mm. There have been some. 
Right. You can now get involved with the show, as you have heard throughout this issue, via the forum, email, and Twitter. Forthcoming show topics will include next week, Alice Madness Returns, and then Rayman Origins, or Oranges, Oddworld Stranger's Wrath, Mass Effect and Mass Effect 2, and following that, Metal Gear and Metal Gear 2 Solid Snake. Our blog is at canerince.com, and we are part of the Character Select Network where you can join in with this discussion and put your comments forward for those podcasts at characterselect.net slash forum. A general discussion, and just to catch up with short 140 characters, you can follow us on Kane and Rinse. Also, that's the best place to leave your free word reviews. Correct. Uh, you can e- email our correspondence either discussing aspects of this show or um, more hopefully the Alice Madness Return show next week, and that can be sent at kaneandrince at gmail.com. You can like us on Facebook, uh, which is www.facebook.com forward slash Kane and Rinse. And of course, your iTunes subscriptions, reviews and ratings are always very welcome. So it just remains for me, Leon Cox, to thank Tony Atkins, James Carter and Josh Garrity. James, Tony and I will be back along with Darren Gargett next week to talk about Alice and her madness. Until then, goodbye. of a runaway train Just to feel alive again Pushing forward through the night Aching just to lower aside It's so far, so far away It's so far so
say